Hello everyone, welcome to Glow Radio. So today I feel like this is honestly one of my most favorite guest episodes that I've done so far. I had Aisha aka Oath Oracle join me. She is an astrologer who is also from BC, Canada. She is an Aquarius sun, Pisces moon, Leo rising, and I just feel like both of our Leo risings together, the energy is so bright, and I just loved it so, so much. So we dive super deep into astrology in this episode. Aisha is a 1-3 projector, I'm a 5-1 manigen, so we just get super deep into the topics that we love. We chatted about the North Node versus the South Node and Aisha's advice on how to move towards your North Node while also shedding away some habits of your South Node. We talk about her Saturn return and how to balance challenging aspects in our charts, including a lot of squares and oppositions or if we have planets in their detriment or in its fall. And at the end of this episode, we also go into some of Aisha's favorite manifestations that have come true for her. This was a super deep conversation. My Pisces side really came out because I even get emotional during some parts just because Aisha is dropping so many good nuggets of knowledge and I could feel chills like the whole time. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to listen to this. Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome, Aisha, to Glow Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. I am so excited for our conversation. So how about we start off by getting you to share your story, just like how you started, how you got to this place where you are now. Absolutely. So I discovered astrology when I was 14 years old and I was uh, really struggling with a lot of depression and just feeling very misunderstood. And I'm an Aquarius as well. So you're, you're an Aquarius son, right? No, I'm, a, I'm a Pisces. Oh, okay. I, was, I thought from that story that you shared recently on Instagram, um, there was like an Aquarius symbol in there. I was like, oh, she's mm. an Aquarius too. I'm a Pisces moon. So that's where we can have our resonance. Um, so I felt very uh, like misunderstood and like there didn't really feel a lot of belonging in my childhood and kind of struggled with a lot of um, instability in my uh, younger years. And when I first discovered astrology, it was the first time that I felt like there was a place for me in this world. And like, maybe life did make sense. And maybe things were happening for a reason. And that was the first moment of that hope that I ever experienced really in my life. And ever since then, it has just always been a part of my life. So Long before I started my business, it was my navigational tool for navigating all the challenges that I was going through. Every time there was an initiation in my life or a hard struggle or an obstacle or just a free day where I could study, astrology was just what I would naturally go to. And I really feel grateful for this experience with astrology before starting my business because my energy and intention behind studying it was was in a way so pure and innocent. It was never about I'm going to do readings or I'm going to make a business or I'm going to make content on this topic. It was really so me. It just felt like me and the universe. And that's it for many, many, many years until um, a few years ago when friends of mine who had been receiving my astrology magic just for being my friend, right, being close to me and learning from other people's charts is really fun. And 
at some point, my friends started to ask if they could pay me for readings for their partners, for their friends, for their parents. And that's how I started to do readings. And I was doing that for a few years, still quite privately through word of mouth only before starting my business. So I'm really grateful for that journey because now it's been about 19 years of studying astrology and living with this lens and looking at the world and looking at business and looking at relationships and looking at just life through this lens. And it has given me so, so, so much. It's given me so much. I love that. So it's such an exciting journey. So I'm very curious, have you ever had like a dark night of the soul moment, or I'm sure maybe a few, <laughs> could you share kind of your process and like how you overcame them? I love that question. And because I know that your listeners are probably a little bit more advanced with astrology, I'll share that my moon and my north node are in the eighth house, which is the house of death and rebirth. So I have a lot of dark night of the soul experiences in this incarnation. And they, I used to feel like my life was one long dark night of the soul. So I've definitely had some, some kind of chronic dark night of the souls that lasted for long periods of time. And now my process is a lot more refined. My, the cycles are a lot shorter. So it's not that we ever avoid pain and challenge and struggle or darkness. It's just part of the cycles of death and rebirth that happen within our lives. At this point, my cycles are now a lot shorter and I'm really able to recognize and know this is temporary let's go all the way deep into this. Let's dive into it. Let's let this experience almost burn me alive and consume me a little bit because I know that I will just rise as the Phoenix after this. But in previous times and when I was a teenager, when I was in my twenties, it was a lot more like, wow, is this my life now? Is, is it always going to be this hard? And a lot of resistance to the process of feeling the pain. So I feel like every time this, the process itself is a little different, but I feel like it can be distilled into feel the feelings. <laughs> Whenever we're avoiding feeling stuff, we're just prolonging the process. And as we willingly feel the feelings of unprocessed trauma from the past, um, truths that are needing to be seen and recognized and realized, hard realizations that we're having about life or ourselves or what we need to do or what we've chosen, forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of others, the more we allow and give ourselves the permission to fully feel instead of avoid feeling, that uh, we start to find the empowerment of the processes and realize, oh, I'm in a dark night of the soul right now. That means an incredible transformation and a major breakthrough is right around the corner. So it actually becomes something exciting. I don't know if you feel that way as well. Yeah. No, I totally relate to that. My son is in the eighth house. So totally, I feel like my life is constantly going through like the tearing down building up again and yeah it gets easier I feel like back in the day I would suffer from a lot of like anxiety and panic attacks I have a Virgo mm -hmm. moon so constant anxiety but nowadays I feel like whenever a trigger comes up I'm like oh it's the universe highlighting something to me so that I mm -hmm. can ascend and go further so definitely relate now it's like a lot faster than in the past mm -hmm. I love uh, sun in eighth house people because I'm a moon in eighth house person, right? So there's like a resonance there. And with my North Node being in the eighth house, I have lessons to learn around letting go. And I spent a lot of my life resisting the letting go because my South Node's in the second house. It's about security and stability and predictability. And so are you a Leo rising as well? Because you both I have am. the Pisces eighth house. I am. 
I feel like people with sun in the eighth house, especially because it's your chart ruler as a Leo rising as well. So it has an added significance of not just being your sun. It's like people with sun in eighth house, they transform so powerfully throughout their life in such an obvious way that it's like, I, I like to, this is what I'll say to people in readings when they have this place. And it's like, your new chapters of life are not new chapters and they're not sequels. They're totally new movies with like a new director, new wardrobe, new location, new cast, new writer. Like it's, it's almost, a, you have so many transformations in one lifetime that people that knew you in the past might not even recognize you in, in your new versions. And I find that very exciting. It can be tiring sometimes when we're like, oh, okay, my life is one big transformation, but yeah. it's very exciting as well. Totally. And the funny thing is, I actually recently corrected my birth time. And I previously thought I was a Virgo rising. But there was just some things that didn't resonate. But I had an interception previously. So it didn't change my chart too much. Mm -hmm. But then once I discovered that I was actually a Leo rising, it was like I was reborn and everything just made so much sense after that. Yep. Yep. Very different energies. The rising totally. sign of Leo and the rising sign of Virgo. And even just the chart rulership. I feel like that's a really um, powerful thing to connect with for any listeners who are uh, wondering. It's the ruling planet of your rising sign or your ascendant. And it basically has this added significance. So your sun is not just your sun. It's your chart ruler as a Leo yeah. rising. And for me, I had an, a journey with, with accepting my Leo rising as well of many of my placements are very private and it's like, you know, Pisces moon, Aquarius sun, like I'm just chilling and like floating in the universe. But when I came into business realizing, oh, I'm here to embody this, this Leo energy, that means I'm here to take up space and share myself and be seen and, and witnessed in that. And uh, there were aspects of myself that were uncomfortable with that. But I really do see our rising sign as what we came here to embody physically. And uh, when we really claim that, it creates a really powerful resonance and magnetism in our businesses as well. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious your thoughts on, so let's dive deeper into the North Node versus the South Node, because I get this question a lot. Sometimes people will ask me, what, what are your tips for heading more towards your North Node and like shedding away the habits of the South Node? Mm-hmm. I love this question because this is one of my biggest obsessions and most people when they discover the nodes they go down a really big rabbit hole because it is they're very very powerful they're very exciting I think that some ways that people relate to it is a little bit uh deterministic or a little bit disempowering in a way of like oh um south node bad north node good kind of thing so the thing is that the more emotional charge we have around our south node the more we're still in a way imprisoned by its shadow potentials so finding an uh, energy of neutrality around our south node and never judging or rejecting our south node really understanding that our south node is in a way a foundational part of who we are that gives us so many resources and so many gifts and if we reject it we're creating this emotional charge that actually prevents the fullest expression over a north node if that makes sense so finding the really beautiful positive qualities about our south node is a great way to begin the journey because often we're like oh i'm not supposed to be like this and i am supposed to be like this um and that's something that can create friction in us trying to follow that north node path 
So following the North Node path doesn't have to mean abandoning our South Node because that that just is, isn't actually the solution. So I like to see it as a garden where the South Node side of the garden is overwatered through lifetimes of experiences, through the soul memory and familiarity that we have with certain themes and certain roles and certain qualities. So I'll use myself as an example. I'm a Virgo South Node. So you mentioned your Virgo moon. So I like resonate with that as well, because that's my South Node. So I first becoming aware, oh, my South Node is Virgo, the shadow potentials of Virgo and how that shows up for me is perfectionism and nitpicking. So when I first discovered this, it's been many, it's been decades that I've been on the journey of my nodes, right? So when I first discovered that, I went on the path of this is bad, this energy is bad, my perfectionism is bad, and judgment. When really, even though our nodes are duality, they're two opposite things, it, it, there's actually a transcendence of that duality, if that makes sense. So it's not through judging and rejecting our South node. So from loving and accepting it, the beautiful qualities of Virgo, I was able to access more of those superpowers. What that is, is attention to detail, discernment, caring about wellness, groundedness, taking practical action, not just letting things fall apart, taking actions and being the change I want to see in the world kind of vibe. So that's the first step is like finding and appreciating all of the resources and superpowers your South Node gives you. But then realizing that if it's back to the garden analogy, the South Node part of the garden is overwatered. So we naturally just pick up the watering can and keep watering that side because we think that's who we are. We think that's what we should be. We fall into relationships that uh, trigger that and emphasize it more. Our family karmic patterns may amplify that even more where there's these expectations. Societal conditioning may amplify that more. So it's, it's overwatered. One side is overwatered, the plants are drowning. They're like molding and rotting and whatnot. And then the other side, the North Node side, it's just totally unknown. We haven't gone over there. We don't, we might think, oh, I'm not like that. Or like, that's not me. I'm not, you know, people with Leo North Node are like, no, 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 no. I'm not supposed to be in the spotlight. That's exactly what you're supposed to do actually. Um, it's just that that side of us hasn't been developed yet. So then the North Node side is thirsty and parched and dry. When we keep watering the south node through making choices based on that south node energy, both sides die because one side is overwatered and one side is drowning. When we move the water, aka energy, choices, thoughts, actions that we're taking, when we invest that, invest our energy into the north node side, eventually the overwatering of the south node takes care of itself because it evaporates. Um, it evaporates into the atmosphere and then both sides can thrive. So rather than seeing it as I'm choosing one or the other, or I'm being one or the other, it's about bringing balance to the whole garden as an ecosystem. And I literally think of everything as a garden. I think of businesses as a garden, our life, our relationships, like anything to me is a garden. So the North Node is letting us know how we can bring balance to this by developing a less developed side of ourselves that's actually key to our destiny and bringing balance through investing more in the North Node helps a lot to resolve any of the south node shadow potentials that we might fall into hmm. so that's i feel like i went pretty deep there <laughs> <laughs> i hope that that makes sense <laughs> no totally i love that i really like that analogy with the garden and everything and what you said about your virgo south node i feel like i relate to that so much with the virgo moon because that mm -hmm. used to be like I guess my most hated placement back in the day, I, I just constantly would judge my Virgo moon or be mad at her. But a few years ago, I did like a journal 
activity where I was like I need to love her more like I need to show some appreciation like what are the good sides of Virgos and I feel like that kind of started my journey to to just embody more of the evolved traits of the Mm -hmm. Virgo. I really hold a belief that we chose all of our placements. And so whenever there's something that I didn't like, and um, I was just having a conversation with someone about this this morning, you know, my chart is full of a lot of harsh aspects. I have so many, my son is only squared and opposed. There's no other aspect of my son except squares and oppositions, all the fixed signs. So it's like my Taurus Mars square my son in Aquarius, my Pluto in Scorpio square my son in Aquarius, my Leo rising opposite my son. Like I have tons of red lines all over my chart. And I really believe now that we have chosen every single part of our chart. So it's almost like this assumption that whatever I'm going to need for this journey and this quest of my life in this incarnation, I have been equipped with already. So if I have it, it's because I need it somewhere along the journey for some reason. So instead of it's no longer the conversation of, oh, why did I get this one? Or like, <laughs> why is it this? It's more like, oh, why is it this? Like, what, what is this? What is this meant to be for in my life? And having like kind of a positive assumption about it has really helped me like reconcile with some of my challenging placements because sometimes you read things and (laughs) the language can be very you know I choose to use very empowering language with astrology but that's not always what we find when we're reading books and doing research and I have I have placements that say that I could be a a serial killer or a sociopath I have Mars opposite Pluto Um, so this is like this person is violent and da 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 so you know sometimes we read things and it can be like what no I'm not it is helpful to understand that that is a potential of that placement, but we have free will. And this is where the intersection is of astrology. We have the free will of how we want to use these things. And what I came to terms with, with that particular placement, where you can find interpretations that say this person will be violent. I chose to see it as, and I, my understanding of it now is I have to learn to master power and I need to learn to wield power in healthy ways because otherwise it can get messy and it can actually harm other people. But that's because I'm, I've always been meant to hold a lot of power so I had to learn to use it with integrity through having this challenge yes oh my god I'm literally like screaming yes to all of that I I just love that that's exactly like how I practice astrology too because I just don't like all the negative words like we find in articles I feel like the mutable side of me just doesn't like that and I have Mars squaring my Pluto so once again a lot of like articles talk about the violent tendencies Mm -hmm. but I see it as like I have a lot of internal energy that I need to exert and if I don't handle that properly then it can become messy but it's good to be aware of that so that I know like I have tools to deal with it yes exactly so like our astrology is not a sentence of this is how it has to be because this is what you got it's more like here's a mirror to help you understand these part of yourself so you can make empowered choices and you can be a boss in your life and really create the life of your dreams by understanding yourself and gaining that self-intimacy and sometimes I think when people are scared to find out what's in their chart it's really about intimacy it's really a fear of intimacy in a way of like ooh, it's gonna see you so deep to really look at yeah. and understand your chart or get a reading from someone who really understands what they're looking at um, and it can it can feel very vulnerable when we start seeing these aspects of ourselves some of which have negative potentials or shadow potentials or harmful potentials but literally we all do we all do and some people even 
could say or you could argue that if someone has a chart of only harmonious aspects, their life is so easy that mm -hmm. they may not be initiated and instigated into growing to be really strong or tough in certain ways or grow through the challenges because that's what that's what we're here for, right? We're here to grow and evolve and that's what challenges do. Like if we're lifting weights at the gym, we're tearing apart our muscle fibers. We're ripping them apart so that they can heal and be stronger than before. Yes, definitely. It's probably a very Mars-Pluto thing to say, <laughs> like Mars-Pluto aspect conversation. Yeah, I feel like Mars-Pluto, just so, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, I want to ask about, so your sun is opposing your rising, the Aquarius and Leo yes. polarity. How do you balance those two energies? Because I see a lot of kind of those opposing traits in people, especially in their big three. Like I just come across a lot of people mm -hmm. like that, I guess, because I'm really extreme. <laughs> so I'm just curious, how do you balance those energies? I think that's really cool that people come to you with that placement because you have the moon opposite sun yes. situation going on. So I, th I think that's really cool. Um, so I love that question. And honestly, it's like this ongoing thing because it, with my work in business, something that's a really big part of like what I, what I embody and what I share a lot is that our rising sign is a branding code in business because it's actually telling us if we, if we've chose, if we choose the assumption that I've chosen everything in my chart, then these choices have a purpose and the purpose is basically to support our purpose, right? So when I embody Leo energy, that's actually how I'm here to influence other people because our body is how, like the rising sign has to do with our physical body and our vessel. Our body is how we impact people. Even if I'm doing it online, it's with my body that I'm typing these things and it's with my body that I'm, that I'm sharing things I share online. So in a way, it's that a role that I came here to play is being that Leo energy and we see how it plays out online, right? Aquarius, which is opposite of my rising, my Venus is also directly opposite my rising. Uh, it's in Aquarius as well, like direct opposition there. So my values have always been more of I stake in the background, I'm hiding in a corner at a party, I'm outside at a party, like away from a group of people. And I've always just kind of been that weirdo that's off to the side. So when I started my business, all of a sudden I'm, I'm putting my face forward, I'm putting my myself forward. I'm telling, starting to tell my story slowly one, one layer at a time, because when I first started my page, I actually didn't go by my name, Aisha. I went just by Oath Oracle and I didn't hardly ever showed photos of myself. Didn't really talk about my life because the Aquarius part of me is like, no one cares about that girl. The Aquarius part of me is like, share your cosmic insights, you know, tell people what's going on in the cosmos. But the Leo embodiment that I chose and which is actually how I'm here to influence people slowly through knowing that I can know it consciously, but actually embodying it took me couple years to really be like telling my story and sharing intimate and vulnerable parts of myself and showing my my face online yet that was what I was teaching people was hey your rising sign is a branding code for your business and for your goals and your whatever it is that you're doing so I work with mostly entrepreneurs and I'm telling people that yet here I am not fully going by my name not really showing photos of myself a lot so at some point there were multiple steps and every step that there was of sharing more of myself, telling people, you know, that I dropped out of high school, telling people that I used to be a stripper. I was like, these weren't things I was hiding or ashamed of, but it just, the Aquarius side of me is like, that's not relevant to what this page is about. This page is about astrology. So why would I talk about that? Right. And, but slowly through like the layers peeling off, it was like, okay, here we go. This one's coming out. This story's coming out. And then I changed my feed to be 
alternating with a photo of me and a, some kind of graphic photo of me, some kind of graphic. So now my face is really all over it. And that's because I had to make the conscious choice with my free will. And the more that I did that, the more I was actually recognized because that is an innate magnetism code in my chart. So it actually, I the, the success and recognition that came from that was instant, instant confirmation of that being in alignment for me. But every step of the way, the Aquarius side of myself was like, no one cares about that girl. No one cares about your coffee. No one cares about this, this thing you're doing. Um, so in terms of opposites, it's like, yes, they're very different, but they are sister signs that share a polarity. And what I've come to realize is the Aquarius side of me is these very specific values that I have about the new earth that we're building, about being a collective in which like all of us are a part of this incredible tapestry, looking forward to the future, having an online business because Aquarius rules the internet, revolutionizing business, revolutionizing wealth, and just astrology in general. Aquarius just simply is connected with astrology in general. But the way that I do that is through my rising sign of being a personal brand. So they, they don't actually contradict each other. They might not always agree exactly, like be on the exact same level, but they don't contradict each other. They're two sides of the same coin. If I stayed hidden, I would have less of an impact towards those new earth values that my Aquarius side is really committed to and devoted to. Um, so the rising sign for that specific opposition, it's how we do what we do. So what... I, so by expressing that Leo energy and being like, here I am, here's my name, here's my story, here's my face, it's actually furthering along the values of the Aquarius side of New Earth, bringing a revolution, innovating different industries, and bringing astrology to be, it's not that I need it to be more mainstream or that I desire that, uh, but it is an incredible tool that can help us all, so why not? Oh my goodness, I feel like I literally got chills as you were speaking about all of that. I just, I love connecting with people who have so many of these squares and just challenging aspects because I feel like you're just my peoples because I can relate so much because my my rising Leo is, is opposing my Mars in Aquarius. Mm. My Virgo moon is opposing my Pisces Venus. It's just constantly like all these polarities, but I feel like what you said, like just learning to to work with each of them and mm -hmm. to help them communicate with each other is kind of what's helped me to yes. move forward more. Yeah, I love that with like communicating with each other and just like, it's um, for some reason, I'm just getting this, this image come through. So hopefully this metaphor comes out like clearly, but it's like a band with a lot of really strong personalities in it. It's like, if that band can communicate well, they'll be legendary. But if they're all just like, you know, it, it's, it's ego stuff, right? So especially to, it depends for those of you who are listening and are like, okay, well, what about my oppositions? Uh, really think about the archetype of the planets that are involved, right? So like the archetype of Mars and our, and our ascendant, for example, Mars is like anger and lust. So maybe there are times when people look at you, Jacqueline, and think like, oh, super sunny and friendly and that Leo energy, right? Like, oh, she's always happy. But then that Mars and Aquarius can come with that ice cold anger, right? Because the Aquarius Mars can be very like, it can express anger with words and it's just you know it's so cerebral and intellectual right so we can just come out of nowhere and people are like what like I thought you were the sunny so it's like your anger could take people by surprise and surprise them based on how you've shown up with your Leo rising energy so then it's like okay cool how do I take responsibility for that I be aware of my anger and you know I maybe communicate it before it gets to that breaking point or maybe I find some way to process it before it gets to some kind of breaking point um and so that's how we get to basically use our free will to take responsibility for any of the shadow potentials, then you have such 
beautiful superpowers that come with that around being a revolutionary, basically with your Mars and Aquarius, being a genius, like literally having access to cosmic genius, being so motivated and driven towards like new ways of doing things on planet earth. And then similar to me, sort of Leo rising, right? The way that you do that is part of it is through being a personal brand and actually through being friendly and approachable, um, which is also one of the Leo rising energies. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I resonate with so much of what you said there. And since we're on the topic of challenging placements, do you have any tips for people who have placements like in its detriment, in its fall? Like, what are your tips for those types of placements? Mm -hmm. So I totally, uh, I don't know if I'm just a very optimistic person, but I definitely think that the way that we take our power back from things that sound like, oh, detriment, like that sounds so sad, or right? like, <laughs> doesn't sound very nice, is just about getting to know. It's kind of like putting a puzzle together in a way of like getting to know the different qualities of the sign and the different qualities of the archetype of the planet. So for example, Mars and Pisces uh, is, a, is a challenging combo because mm -hmm. Mars is like this warrior energy. It wants to take action. Pisces is compassion and unconditional love. So yes, there are some shadow potentials with that, such as avoiding expressing anger, swallowing anger, um, falling in a victim role rather than standing up for ourselves, but it also has the superpower of being a spiritual warrior and being a warrior of compassion and standing up for the underdog. So I believe that when we just choose to know and embody more of the superpowers of any combination, because even things in their fall and detriment have incredible qualities to them. So for example, I have Mars in detriment in Taurus. So Taurus is a Venus ruled realm. Mars is in detriment in Taurus. The main shadow with that that I need to be aware of is kind of similar to what I was sharing with you as well is I need my anger can really take people by surprise because mm -hmm. bulls, if you think of a bull or a cow in a field, it just wants to chill out and eat grass. But when humans poke it at the bull run, they can make it see red. And all of a sudden it's like a very scary type of anger. So that's how my anger is where people are like, oh yeah, like she's so nice and smiling all the time. She's so happy. And then when I'm angry, it's a very, very different energy. So that's the thing with like oppositions, um, challenging placements is they can really take other people by surprise because it's different than how we're presenting ourselves a lot of the time. So Mars and Taurus has that thing that I can be aware of. And I am aware of that. I do anger practices regularly. I scream in my pillow at least once a week. I do, I do practices regularly because I know about myself that I may not be aware of my own anger until it's too late. And at that point, that's where the Mars opposite Pluto is playing out and the like lashing out at others or doing things I'm not proud of, right? So it's really about making choices that we're proud of, not rejecting any of our placements. So the energy of a placement, it has to express no matter what. So if we repress the energy of that placement, it is far more likely to express in ways that we are not proud of or in ways that we're not happy with. So Mars and Taurus, Mars is in detriment in Taurus, yet this is one of my favorite placements because it's highly sensual. It's motivated by pleasure, luxury, and wealth. And I'm literally a wealth coach. I love performance art. I'm very turned on by materials. So what I mean by that is sustainable clothing, like mm. linen, organic cotton, just like natural biodegradable clothing, metals, like gold, solid gold, silver, 
beeswax candles. I always joke about my coffee mug. I'm just showing Jack on the, on the screen right now. No one is allowed to use my coffee mug because Mars and Taurus can be a little bit possessive. So it's like, I've seen that play out in relationships. And in that realm, I've done healing on possessiveness and jealousy, but I also get to have my coffee mug and <laughs> I'm allowed to say that no one's, no one can use my coffee mug, you know? Um, so I really love uh, many placements that are in detriment or in their fall personally. Yeah, I love that. I feel like Taurus placements are honestly my favorite. I have a midheaven in Taurus and yeah, I just love that energy so much. What are some of your other uh, favorite placements of yours? Uh, are flavor placements in my chart or just yeah. like in general? In, well, let's do both. Let's do your chart and then in general. So I gotta say, I'm very grateful for being a Leo rising because it is very helpful for meeting people and just like there's a inviting energy to Leo rising. So even though I can be really shy in certain ways, people think I'm extroverted. So that like works to my advantage a lot of time where people think I'm outgoing um, or they think I'm more confident than I truly feel inside. So that's something I'm grateful for. I feel like that's that's helped me a lot in doing things in the world. Um, I do I do love being an Aquarius. I do love my Pisces moon, even though that has been probably the most painful placement to have Pisces moon in the eighth house. Very, very sensitive, easily hurt. Um, I've had to learn a lot around like taking things personally and just doing processing of my emotions. But now that I am more practiced with processing and feeling my emotions and doing what is necessary when things are coming up instead of repressing anything. Repressing things for me just doesn't work at all. So all those years I spent trying to repress things was kind of like a train wreck because it just never successfully did repress. But it is a very psychic placement that has really helped me kind of walk between worlds as a mystic and as just a highly sensitive individual, basically. And I do love having my Mars and Tor and Jupiter in Taurus in my 10th house because I love business and I love talking about success and creating our legacies. And I gain a lot from that. Uh, Jupiter can really give us a sense of joy and expansion and Mars gives us that drive and that lust. So I feel how that plays out in my business. It's funny because I started my business at age 31. And before that, I always had these placements, but I never, I always had entry level jobs because I didn't really have an education of any kind. And I always worked in the service industry. So those placements didn't really have a much of a realm to express until when I started my business at age 31. So that's another interesting thing with our placements is we, if we don't give them the environment in which to express, we haven't met certain sides of ourselves yet. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's just a side note. In terms of other placements that I love, I definitely like Mars in Capricorn and Scorpio. Those are some pretty sexy Mars placements there. I love all Taurus placements, like Moon is exalted in Taurus, Venus in Taurus, love it. Mercury and Gemini people are so, so, so ridiculously brilliant. I like Mercury and Taurus too, because those people are very thorough and very hands-on. And I find that really cute. Those two are, that's almost very different, two very different Mercury expressions. Gemini, Mercury, super, super fast. Mm -hmm. Taurus, Mercury, more slowed down. Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't think there is any bad placements and I can yeah. find appreciation and love for every placement because it really is about the individual. And I kind of, I kind of do believe everyone is like this unique, special snowflake. And even the most challenging placements have so, so many gifts for us. So for example, one thing that's been hard for me in my life is that I have my Pluto and maybe you actually have 
a similar or the same placement, but my Pluto is in Scorpio in my fourth house. Mm. So the planet of death and rebirth is in my house of home and family in the sign of Scorpio, which rules basically trauma and crisis through uh, evolution through crisis, sorry. And so that was pretty much sums up my childhood. And there was a lot of upheaval and a lot of deaths and rebirths and a lot of darkness. But now, because of my understanding of Pluto, wherever we have our Pluto is the area of life which will most transform from the beginning to the end of our life. Mm -hmm. So that means I can look at that and I can know for a fact, I will not be passing on these cycles. I am the cycle breaker and my family and my eventual, like my eventual hypothetical family, if I have one, if I'm meant to have one and like owning a home, owning my dream home. Like to me, that's what that means because it's the, whatever it was before, it will not continue that way because that's what death and rebirth is and that's what transformation is so even the most hard placements have so much beauty to them totally oh my god I'm literally tearing up as you say that I mean such a Pisces right now because I do have that similar placement the Pluto in my fourth house so I feel Mm -hmm. like you just put it in such a beautiful way and yeah I've just gone through so much healing in that area so it's reassuring to hear you say that um, we're not going to keep these cycles going and they're going to end in this generation. Yep. Pluto is so powerful, right? So we can either be at the whim and mercy of Pluto, which when we're children, you know, we don't have as much control over our environments and we we really are dependent on others. But as we grow into our adulthood and learn what these things actually mean, it's like, oh, we get to harness that power. We're not at the whim of that power. We actually get to harness that power and it's guaranteeing a transformation in that area of life. So I love seeing that loves totally totally and you started your business kind of just like after your Saturn return so how was that how was your Saturn return for you so it was actually the day that my Saturn return ended well the way different astrologers work with this differently but for me the Saturn return is the entire period when Saturn is in the sign of your Saturn Um, so some people work with it in a more narrow window of when it's conjunct to your Saturn for me it because I, I wasn't sure what I believed until my Saturn return and until experiencing that the day that Saturn entered Capricorn and the day that Saturn left Capricorn that was my Saturn return because I I I am now very intimate with the frequency of Saturn from those experiences. So my Saturn return started around, it was just before Christmas in 2017 was the beginning of Saturn in Capricorn. When Saturn was entering Capricorn, all the astrology world was like, oh, daddy's coming home. You know, Saturn is rules Capricorn. And I was like, I got this. You know, I have such deep understanding of these placements. My Mercury's in Capricorn, I have a Capricorn stellium. It's like, I got this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slay this. I'm going to slay my Saturn return. Then the day that Saturn entered Capricorn, I was literally on the ground, just bawling my eyes out, like scrolling on everyone's Instagram, like Christmas and holiday stories. And like everyone with their family so happy and I was just like literally just crying by myself on the ground and my Saturn return took place in my sixth house so for people who are coming into your Saturn return or know know you are in your Saturn return or you know yours is coming my biggest advice is Saturn is going to make you take responsibility for everything that you got away with not dealing with and the sooner that you do it the better so my advice for Saturn return is get familiar and intimate with the frequency of Saturn so that when something comes up you're like oh this is a Saturn return thing Mm -hmm. and when that comes up it's like if you can drop everything and 
take care of what that thing is because that's what responsibility is. That's what being forced to take responsibility is. And it doesn't suit our plans. It doesn't suit our ego's plans. It doesn't suit the perfect schedule we made for ourselves. But this Saturn is like this sensei or like this hard ass teacher that really we have, we're privileged to work with basically. So with Saturn being in my sixth house, the themes that came up for me were work and health. So during this time, a whole bunch of health stuff got activated and dealt with. I actually had a tooth removed and an implant put in. I actually got laser eye surgery during this time. My jobs changed up a lot and I got really, really burnt out. And then I had to pull back and heal for weeks and weeks at a time. So in the past, I was able to juggle multiple jobs because as I said, I worked in the service industry. So it's quite physical work. So my jobs were literally service industry on my feet, bartending, smiling, like doing, carrying stuff all day, um, stripping. So wearing heels, dancing at an exotic dance club and art modeling, which is where you are like nude posing and you're holding poses for up to 10 minutes long. And because I am who I am, I would choose often very challenging poses and see it as like this challenge or like this workout. So all the jobs that I did were very physically demanding and I used to be able to do it. And then all of a sudden during my Saturn return, if I went just a little too far, I was sick for three weeks and I had to everything had to be canceled. And I, I didn't have jobs where you get paid sick days. Right. So this was really hard on me. And, um, you know, my ambitions were really activated during this time, but sometimes it'd be like, oh, I'm so ambitious to work, you know, um, pick up as many shifts as possible. And then boom, sick for three weeks, like in bed for three weeks or like, oh, this dental thing came out of nowhere and that I had been neglecting. And if I took care of it earlier, it wouldn't have got to this point. And like just thing after thing, after thing with health, with work and with my schedule and yeah, getting laser eye surgery. So a lot of positive things happen at this time. So because I, I took care of these things, I'm still reaping the benefits of that because eyesight was one of my biggest struggles in the past, contact lenses, sensitive eyes, just like nightmare. And then through that time, that's when I started really working on myself as well in terms of doing, working on my mindset, doing practices, sitting down and journaling, doing gratitude journaling, like act, like the six houses, rituals and routine. So a lot of those things really, they had to get dialed in because I was actually experiencing a very high amount of stress because I had this really strong ambition, yet I wasn't able to work as much as I wanted to. And like, then I'm healing this health thing. And then I'm healing my laser eye surgery. And like, those, those are so many things that happened that was throwing me off the course that I wanted, that my ego wanted, mm. but the course that Saturn's sees is always going to be more complete and comprehensive than the course that our ego sees. Our ego doesn't see what, what is always what is truly important. So Saturn does see that. Saturn brings that maturity and, and forces us to mature through that. So through doing mindset work, starting to do, you know, meditations at night, hypnosis, keeping up on certain practices, manifestation work and stuff like that, by the time that those two and a half years had passed and it was March 20th, 2020. That was literally when I started my business. So another thing that happened right towards the end of that is from January, 2020 until March 20th, 2020, I was studying every single day on free courses and free things because I didn't have money to invest in starting my business, but I was bringing that Capricorn energy mm -hmm. to what I was doing. And I was bringing that sixth house energy and I was doing it every day. I was showing up as if it was a job, even though I wasn't yet getting paid for that. And that also also really set me up for a good start with my business. And then when March 20th, 2020 rolled around, Equinox, Aries season, my, my Midhaven is in Aries, Aries sun in my ninth house, like, and then Saturn entering Aquarius. And I definitely feel that I am a different person 
because of my Saturn return, like I like leveled up, like I'm like a Pokemon, like I evolved into a new level of who I am. It was always there within me, but it took my, the initiations of my Saturn return to do that. And I'm very grateful for that because, you know, I'm a very Saturnian person anyway, in a way, because of having four planets in Capricorn and two planets in the second house and two planets in Aquarius, which is also a Saturn co-ruled sign. So that really helped me grow up into who I am. And when I now get to help people who are going through their Saturn return, it's a very exciting thing to me because it's like, oh, you're going to meet yourself after this. You're going to meet a new version of yourself after this. One who's able to create the legacy that you came here to create in this world. Oh my goodness. That's so beautiful. Uh, we are so similar because my Saturn is also in my sixth house. Wow. And my Mars is in there as well. And I'm currently going through my Saturn return. It mm -hmm. just hit in January, early this year. Mm -hmm. So what you said about like work and routines, I feel like I can relate to a lot. I, I got sick like earlier when my Saturn return first hit. And I feel like the, the couple years actually leading up to my Saturn return, I feel like we're even worse than mm -hmm. like the time now. I felt like all the lessons kind of started to happen like a few years ago my health mm -hmm. just like went really crazy after I left this toxic relationship all these yeah. flare-ups started happening so yeah I'm looking forward to the other side of the return but it's honestly not as bad as I thought it was going to be mm -hmm. so, yeah. so it's a good yeah. thing it also comes in waves I find and so especially with the sixth house it's like when health things come up, it's like, just go, just go to yeah. the doctor, just get the test, just get the blood test. It's like, whatever will bring peace of mind. And then specifically with Aquarius energy, that's like the circulatory system and the nervous system as well. So it's, uh, there's like a specific focus on that. It was funny with my Capricorn uh, sixth house Saturn return because Capricorn rules teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so literally I'm like, thinking that I just had this very mild tooth thing that I was just happily ignoring all mm -hmm. of a sudden it's like it's being removed and I'm getting an implant drilled into my skull over three multiple different appointments and I was like oh my god Capricorn like this is this is so literal but it is it is literal and so anyone who's going through your Saturn return you know look into the house that it's in and ask yourself how can you take responsibility here what have you not been taking responsibility for? And then pretty much expect Saturn's going to come for you for <laughs> the things that you haven't been taking responsibility for. So we make it easier by taking, like the more we resist it, the harder our Saturn return is going to be. And the more we're willing and have been keeping up with our responsibilities up till that point, the more easy it will be. And that's another reason why some people have an easier experience with it. Totally. Yeah. I feel like during this time, I'm just trying to embrace that Pisces energy of like going with the flow and really acknowledging all the triggers that come up yeah. so as we're coming close to the end here a few more questions I am curious what has been one of your favorite manifestations that has happened for you Woo! there there have been quite a few and I think that honestly just just to be totally totally honest this is like such a fangirl energy but I was asked to be a guest on the manifestation babe podcast and I'm just gonna like fangirl on this because I was listening to that podcast years before I ever had a business and it was something that this was actually during my Saturn return when I started getting into manifestation and doing daily practices and like doing you know gratitude journaling and things like that and um I'm a, I know that there's been I, I've uh, listened to some episodes of your podcast I know you've talked about human design on here mm. I'm a projector in human design so I 
received that invitation that was to me completely out of nowhere. And that was something that I wasn't even trying to manifest it, but it, it felt like manifestation because it was manifestation, babe. And I used to listen to that when I was in such a bad place and now was then invited to be on it when in such a good place. And that was um, a really, really beautiful experience. Like I couldn't, I could act, I, I still fangirl over, over that experience. Um, and then another one was being featured by Forbes. I actually put that on my phone vision board. Um, I make a vision board at the Aries new moon. So I'm not mm. sure when this episode will be shared, but right now it's like, we're, we're like a week or so away mm. from the Aries new moon. And that's when I make a phone vision board is, is that new moon. And I put Forbes on that one. And then I was uh, featured by Forbes last year. So those are some of my favorite ones. Um, and one more is that this is now just like a bit of a tangent and funny story, but uh, I am a Leo rising and my boyfriend is an Aquarius rising. And so in my, in my solar houses, Taurus is my fourth house, as in if you counted Aquarius as my first house, cause that's where my son is so it's a little mm. bit of an advanced topic. And for him in his birth chart, it is his fourth house. So both of us had have Taurus in the fourth house. When we decided to move in together, it was during the first lockdown of COVID. And we had a new moon in Taurus shortly after that. And I was like, okay, this is my solar fourth house. It's your fourth house. Like, let's think about what we would love. And let's think about our dream house. And we didn't think we're anywhere close to having our dream house, but let's think about our dream house and just we'll have some steps along the way. And there was things I wanted, like having a, a ocean view from the house. And we'd always joke about having a waterfront mailbox because where we live people's mailboxes are not out front of their house there's like a group mm. of all the different mailboxes and we would always joke that the ones that are waterfront like those guys have made it kind of thing so long story short here I am in this place the first place we moved into and has an ocean view and the mailboxes by the ocean or by the waterfront <laughs> So that was like, that was an experience where he got to really see that manifestation is real. And that's one I'm grateful for every day. I love that. I feel like I really enjoy like just the unique manifestations like that. They're so fun. Yeah. And I, I did listen to that podcast episode you do with manifestation, babe. I think that was one of the, I guess, earlier times where I just started to get to know your content more. So that, that was very exciting. Yeah, I still, I still can't believe it. <laughs> love it, love it. So just before we end off here, uh, share anything you'd like to share about what's coming up for you and also share your links where people can find you. Yes, so I'm very active on Instagram and that's definitely a great place to be following me at if you resonate with my work and my teachings. I share horoscopes on there. I have so many IG lives, free masterclasses, and my free astrology guide is a download of a PDF of my interpretations of the houses, the signs, as well as aspects and asteroids and how to generate your chart and look at it. So I really created it to be an ongoing resource for you to have next to you or open on another tab while you're looking at your own chart. So it's kind of like the resource that I wish that I had. Mm -hmm. And I also have some really exciting programs coming up this year, specifically for spiritual entrepreneurs. And this is actually a new branch of my work, which is specifically on business and wealth energetics and actually is not about astrology. So I'm branching out into some new areas this year in my role as a business oracle and business mystic. So that's what's exciting for me. And I definitely invite you guys on my Instagram and in my free astrology guide. And it's been so, so, so great to connect with you, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. 
Yes, of course. Thank you. I feel like this conversation was just so, so fun. And I feel like we connected a lot on yes. many different topics. So thank you so much for joining me today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Glow Radio. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to take a screenshot, share it on your stories, and tag me so that I can re-share it. You can also show your support through leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you so much, and I'm sending you lots of abundance and love.